This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 4, Episode 5. On this episode, we'll be talking about how to stop waiting for permission before you go after the big goals on your dream list. I'm covering how to prep and pre-vet your ideas to give them the best chance of success, and why a no isn't always the end of the line. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. I first started writing educational posts in 2011, which was way before I had any right to be teaching anybody pretty much anything about photography. I was only a year and a half into my business. And um, to be fair, I was writing from a lessons learned perspective. Like here is something that I literally just learned but still kind of a bold decision. Um, And so as I started attending workshops and conferences, I remember looking at the stage and thinking, oh my gosh, I want to do that. I want to teach and I want to speak and I want to be an educator. I'm already sharing all of these things that I'm learning. Like I want to share with a bigger audience and I want to do that from the stage. So I waited for someone else to tell me to let me know that it was time for maybe one of my readers or one of my followers or even better, an educator that I admired to walk up to me Rafiki style and tell me it is time like okay Abby you are ready you have my blessing go ahead and launch that workshop because yes it will totally sell out I give you my guarantee that that kind of thing doesn't happen (laughs) and here's the thing that I failed to realize is that everyone else is so focused on growing their own business that it was kind of absurd of me to expect literally anyone else to pay such close attention to mine. At the time, I didn't have a long-term mentor that I was paying for advice. I was not part of a mastermind or a coaching group. I was just hoping that somebody would look at the business that I was building, think that it was remarkable, and then realize that the desire of my heart was to be recognized as a leader and then to take me by the hand into the promised land of speaking and teaching. Kind of like how Charlize Theron got discovered, if you've never heard the story. It was, she was at a bank and she got into an argument with the bank teller who would not cash her check. And the person who was standing behind her in line just so happened to be a talent manager and gave her his card. And like, from there on, we got the Italian job. And also Snow White and the Huntsman. Anyone remember that movie? Anyway, those stories are one in a million. If your standard practice is to wait for someone else to discover the hidden potential inside of you, you will be waiting for a very long time. As artists, we tend to want to believe that if we're good enough at something, if we excel enough at our craft, that someone else, surely someone else will recognize our potential for us on our behalf. But again, no one else is paying that close attention. Whatever success or whatever goal it is that you have your eye on, nobody else wants that for you as badly as you want it for yourself, which means that no one else is going to fight for it on your behalf like you will. And beyond that, you don't need somebody. You don't need to wait for somebody to discover you. You can create your own opportunities that just a couple of decades ago would never have been possible without a PR team that you and I both probably cannot afford. (laughs) No one else is going to fight for your business like you, but we are in a day and age when sometimes one person acting on their own behalf as their own PR team is all that it takes. Like, do you know how Chris Hemsworth landed the role of Thor? 
His younger brother, Liam, was initially being considered for the role, but had to back out because of scheduling conflicts. So Chris took the script and filmed a few scenes on his phone in his kitchen with his mom reading lines with him and then sent those off to casting directors. And they were so impressed that they offered him an official audition. And like, you know, the rest is history. Thor Ragnarok is easily one of the best films in the MCU. I know that Chris Hemsworth has an agent. I know that at the time when he sent those audition videos in the sizzle reel for Thor, that he already had a reputation as an actor before he was cast as the lead in Thor. But the fact remains that he did not wait for an invitation, a literal invitation to a casting call or a meeting with directors in order to express the fact that he wanted this role. He saw an opportunity that he wanted. He threw his name into the ring without being asked to do so. Could he have been rejected? Yes. Would that have been a hard pill to swallow? I'm guessing so. I don't know. I've never worked in Hollywood. Um, never been rejected by Marvel Studios. But I did desperately want to be Clara in the Nutcracker and I never got the role. So I can imagine that that would have been majorly disappointing. <laughs> but no one is going to go out and market and look out for your business like you will. So if you want an opportunity... If you've been wanting to teach or maybe you've been wanting to branch out or pivot your services or maybe you've been hoping to travel more for your work, if you want an opportunity, it is up to you to make that known and to put every piece in place that you can in order to make that happen. One of my favorite expressions is that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. If an opportunity comes along and you're not prepared, it will pass you by. And so this episode is all about how can we set up those pieces of preparation and look for those opportunities so that when they come along, we are as ready to go as humanly possible. So before you run full force at an opportunity that you've been dreaming of, you've got to make sure that you are dressed to do battle. So step number one is to make sure you are equipped with what you need. Ask yourself this, what, if anything, do I need to learn before I enter the arena? Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely going to want to join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. 
Is there a class that you need to take or a skill that you need to sharpen, maybe a book that you need to read? So let's say that you have been dreaming of speaking at conferences, but you don't have any experience speaking on stage. May not be a bad idea for you to attend a webinar with a public speaking expert or take a class on public speaking or even start attending your local Toastmasters group. Conference organizers tend to give preference to speakers who can prove that they know how to speak. It is a risk to put a speaker on a stage and to put a conference name behind that speaker, so they want to know you have experience and success doing this elsewhere. They want to know not just that you're a subject matter expert, but that a speaker is a good presenter. So... In this example, how can you sharpen your presentation skills as you begin to look for opportunities to step on stage so that by the time your speaking gig arrives, you are primed to crush it, which also then makes booking the next one a lot easier. So next, we want to look at whether there's anything you need to purchase or obtain. Is there gear or equipment, maybe like physical space or a website or software that you need to make yours in order to find success? Don't just look at the equipment or the tools that you'll need to do the job. I want you to examine what you're gonna need as you develop the product or the service or the pitch. And as you get ready to put that out in front of your audience, all the way through fulfillment. So for example, when we first launched my mini course, Branding Foundations, I had this vision of delivering it as a physical book, like a textbook. I loved the idea of, like, I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to sit and look at a computer screen to digest new material for a course. I just want to be able to sit down and like read it somewhere without a screen. So I wanted to create a textbook. It was a text-based course, so we created a textbook. So okay, that means we need to find a printer. Easy enough. Uh, Hold up. That actually meant that we needed to find a printer and shipping boxes and packing material. And it's all got to be on brand, which then meant that we needed to order a few custom supplies. Like, for example, we have shipping tape with my logo on it. And we have a station, like a press printed card that gets included in every order. And there's pink ribbon that we tie every book with. Oh, and also we're going to need to have, you know, a way for people to order the book. So we got to go sign up for Shopify and on and on. So do you have uh, the, the supplies the infrastructure, what do you need to purchase or obtain in order for you to not just develop the product, but create it and fulfill it? Then is this new goal or idea something that's going to involve a one-time effort or is it an ongoing commitment? So for the Branding Foundations book, that was a huge one-time effort in order to get that book written and proofed and ordered from the printer. And then it required minimal ongoing work in order to fulfill those orders as they trickled in. But like this podcast, there is a notable amount of time given to creating this show each and every week. So I have to write the podcast episode, then I have to find time to record it, preferably when my kids are not home so that it's quiet. <laughs> um, but then Matt also has to have time to edit the podcast. So where is that time going to be coming from if all of your time every week is already spoken for? Maybe your, your time's already spoken for, but you know you're not using it as efficiently as possible. Okay, so where are we going to carve out the time for this new endeavor and What are the new processes that are going to come into place to make sure we're using our other time as efficiently as possible? Sometimes for this podcast, I have to get up at 4 a.m. in order to record so that I can get the episode out to Matt and he can get it published on time. 
The reason for that is because once my kids are home from school and up from their naps, my workday is over. And so recognizing like, hey, if we're in a time crunch, like we're in pre-launch week or launch week, the time for that effort is going to come very early in the morning. Is that a sacrifice that I'm willing to make? Yes, I don't mind being up at four o'clock in the morning. I mean, I wouldn't say I'd choose that every day, but it's not... It doesn't sound like death to me, but for you, like if you have a new thing that you want to do that's going to require ongoing effort and all of your time is spoken for over and over again, then we either need to adjust the current scope of what it is that we're offering to make room for this new project or reconsider whether now is the right time for us to start this new endeavor. Whatever it is you're working on, be as real with yourself as possible. Is this a one-time commitment Or is this going to be an ongoing outpouring of effort? And with the timing of your efforts, how is that going to exist alongside your other commitments? Another question worth asking before you get in too deep, are you positive there is an audience for this offer? We've talked about in past episodes that creating an offer in a vacuum is like fashioning a key and then running around trying to find a lock that that key will fit into. Seth Godin uses that example in his book, This Is Marketing. But if you are creating an offer or pursuing a goal that is in direct response to a need or a desire that's been voiced by your audience, you are much more likely to find success because you're starting with a locked door and then fashioning a key in response. I did not do this when I first started out teaching. I I just knew that I wanted to teach. There wasn't any particular gap in the market. I didn't have a specific message that I felt called to spread at first. I just knew that I wanted to be an educator. But As I laid the groundwork of blogging daily and as I got used to teaching in smaller situations, I began to see the gaps of places where my expertise could help other people's businesses be more successful and places where I was uniquely equipped to help and encourage and teach. Which takes us to step number two, and that is to test out your idea or your offer in a lower risk setting before you go after it with everything that you've got. Is there a smaller audience that you could use as a beta group? We did this exact thing with Brand Photography Academy before we launched it publicly in 2021. So I was really, really nervous about teaching my A to Z system for brand photography. I had taught my wedding photography process. I had a reputation as a wedding photography educator. But this was my first time teaching the branding side. And so I wanted to make sure that whatever we put out as a final product, that it was high quality and that it was vetted by other people as being actually helpful, not just theoretically helpful. So we put out a call for applications for beta students, and then we paired that list of applications down to 11 final photographers um, who paid to be part of this beta group. And they were ranging in experience from, I have never shot a brand session in my life, but I think I want to, all the way up to, I've been photographing for brands for a couple of years now. And then we took that group through the program live one week at a time for seven weeks. And I was writing those lessons week by week. So we taught week number one, and then I wrote the lesson for week number two, and then I presented it, and then I wrote the lesson for week number three. And all of that material was taught via Zoom in real time so that I could answer my beta students' questions as they came up, which then helped me to refine the offer and, this was the best part, see my blind spots as I was developing the program instead of seeing those blind spots afterwards in response to complaints from new students. And the result was a comprehensive and dare I say exhaustive course on how to shoot your best brand session yet by next week. Maybe you're not quite so drilled down on what it is that you wanna offer. You've got a general idea, but it's still taking shape. So 
Would you benefit from gathering a group of target audience members uh, for a Q&A style discussion like, hey, um, I am a brand photographer and I really feel passionately about mini sessions and I know people have questions about it and I know I'm really good at them, um, but I don't know exactly what an educational offer for that would look like. So why don't we just gather a bunch of brand photographers and you guys can pepper me with all of your questions about mini sessions. And then from there, I can start to pull out what the common threads are. That is an example. I don't offer mini sessions, but maybe you do and you know you want to teach on it, but you still need like you need help drilling down like what are the actual problems that other people are having? Because this is like the very definition of a strength is you're so good at it, you don't realize it's a strength and it takes other people pointing it out for you in order for you to realize, oh, that's uncommon. I am uncommonly gifted in this thing. And so maybe the best thing that you can do is gather a group of people together for an informal discussion and say, hit me, like send me your best, like, give me your best questions. I'm going to answer as many as I can in this 30 minute session and then start to pull together again those common threads. Or maybe you already have a solid idea and structure, but you need to test it out and make sure that it's landing the way that you want it to. Because something we do have to remember is not everybody thinks the way that you think. Things that land with you may not land with other people. And so you've got to get out of the echo chamber that is your own brain and, and test those materials out on other people to make sure that it makes sense to them the way that it's making sense to you. You can't do that in a lab on your own. You have got to get out into the field and run some tests. So going back to the example of wanting to speak on stage, could you ask to speak at your local chamber of commerce or at a chapter of your local Rising Tide Society meetups or maybe at a local high school photography class? It may not be glamorous, but making progress on a big goal can be a bumpy ride. And I would rather have those bumps occur in a smaller, more humble community theater than like flubbing my lines on Broadway, wouldn't you? And as you're going along, ask for feedback. Ask for tons of it. So with our beta students for Brand Photography Academy, we sent a questionnaire after every weekly Zoom lesson asking the same handful of questions. I think they were like, what was your biggest light bulb moment for this week's lesson? Was there anything that you feel wasn't necessary? And now that you have this new information, what questions come up next? Then we used that information to help feed the final course that stands today. So like we took everybody through the beta sessions for seven weeks. I wrote the material as I went through for each week. And then once we were done with the seven weeks and we had the final feedback forms, then I went through and basically overhauled everything that I had just written over the last couple of months to turn it into the final Brand Photography Academy course. That feedback is crucial. Again, you can't create a service in a vacuum. You have to have outside input. And even more valuable is feedback from people who have purchased from you, the ones who don't just say, yeah, like theoretically I would buy that, but the ones who've said, yes, I will buy that, here is my credit card. That was why for the beta session, we charged people to be part of that because I know that where people pay, they pay attention. And I wanted feedback from people who had already put money down to get the information I was putting out because they were more invested in a higher quality final product as opposed to just putting out an Instagram poll saying, hey, would anybody be interested in a course that teaches about brand photography? Everybody's going to click yes on that. If they're going to click no, they just don't click anything because nobody wants to be that 1% of someone who on an Instagram poll said no because you know whoever put the Instagram poll out is going to go back and see who was it that voted no, right? So like you can't like getting feedback from people who don't have any skin in the game is a risky endeavor, especially when you're staking a lot of your time or even money on that investment. Once you've made sure that you have everything you need and you have tested out the idea and you fine-tuned your process, then it is time to make the ask. 
whether that is applying for that coveted speaking spot or pitching the course or announcing that you are introducing brand photography or whatever fire it is that you've got in your belly. Who is it, first question, who is it that you need to ask or pitch the opportunity to? Identify them and then get warmed up because I can speak for most people when I say that we do not like being cold pitched. We get cold pitches for the podcast from people I have never heard of asking to be put in front of our audience and that is an automatic no because it comes across as self-interested. Like I don't know you, you don't know me, you don't know anything about my audience clearly because you're pitching me on a topic that has nothing to do with the USP of this podcast. <laughs> and and so those get marked as spam um, because I don't believe that they have my audience's best interests at heart. You know who I would be more likely to say yes to, though, is someone who has already interacted with the brand, whose name is familiar to me, or whose like Instagram handle I've seen pop up in my DMs time and time again. Gary V published a book years ago called Jab, 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 Right Hook. And the basis of the basic premise of that book is that you have to build a relationship before you can ask for the sale. If you were to start a business and begin an Instagram account and do nothing on that account except post now booking Q4 2023, inquire now for availability, you would have very few takers. But if you got on the app and you began posting helpful reels or carousels with tips on how to prep for your brand session, and if you interacted with other accounts and you spoke to the accounts who interacted with your posts like a human and not a sales machine, you're going to find out that when the time comes for you to make the ask, it is much better received than a cold pitch. So identify your person or your people and get your name in front of them without asking for anything at first so, so that by the time you finally do ask, they know who you are and approximately what it is that you're about. Then we've got to make sure you're showcasing your expertise. Where can people go to see that you're qualified to make this request or this ask? Do you have a sales page for your course? Do you have a page outlining your qualifications as a speaker? If you want to travel more as a brand photographer and you want to photograph sessions in far-flung places, are you showing people that you are a well-traveled person? Use what your beta testers gave you to help demonstrate social proof that you have done this before and you are not asking people to hand over money for something that is untested and simply theoretical. If you're wanting to move into branding from weddings, this means having a portfolio of work to showcase. It doesn't have to span years in order for it to be effective. I teach about the concept of beta clients inside Brand Photography Academy, and you really only need to show like three to five faces in your portfolio to get the concept off the ground as a verified offer, especially when you are intentional about creating variety within each brand session. I don't want you to be discouraged when you get your first few no's, or when you don't hear anything at all in response to the emails that you've sent. Remember, people are busy, and again, nobody is thinking about your business as much as you are, and nobody wants this for you as badly as you want it. That's not to say people are against you, it's just to say you are gonna be the most thirsty person here, and that's okay, but that you, you can't get upset or frustrated when other people don't understand how much this means to you, okay? So the fortune is in the follow-up. If you get a no the first time, don't necessarily take that as a sign that things weren't meant to be. Sometimes no just means not now, but soon. Case in point, we send 10 sales emails during the span of a one-week course launch. 
Why? Because we know that sometimes a student is going to respond to one marketing angle, but not the one that comes before it. And so the goal with those 10 emails isn't to exhaust people or badger them into buying from us so that we'll just go away. The point of those 10 emails is to make sure that our list people know what the product is about and that if it is a good fit for them, that they don't miss a sale period because they're busy or like me, they procrastinate pulling out their credit card until the last possible minute. Marketing experts estimate that current consumers need an average of, get this, four to 27 exposures to a message before they will finally take action. Think about how many times you have deleted a sales email for a product that you know that you want to buy, but it isn't until you get the text on your phone, the SMS alert, that a sale is ending in a couple of hours that you finally pull the trigger. If you ask for an opportunity and you get a straight up no, like maybe you applied for a speaking gig and the organizer emails you to tell you, sorry, you weren't selected, ask for feedback. Not like, well, why not? Why didn't you pick me? But more along the lines of, hey, thank you so much for letting me know. I am working to grow my experience as a speaker and I was hoping that I could ask for your feedback on what I could do to improve my submission for the next time. And they may or may not get back to you. I remember when I was a wedding photographer and you would send submissions to Style Me Pretty, they told you like, don't bother asking for feedback. We're super busy and we just do not have time to give it. That is reasonable. So if they don't get back to you, don't take it personally. Conference organizers are busy. But if they do give you feedback, take that feedback seriously and thank them for taking the time to provide that feedback. All the better if you can send them a handwritten thank you note. We see this all the time with course pitches, and maybe you haven't noticed it. I tend to pay a lot of attention because I'm a course creator, but it, you know, an educator will move through their launch week and they send their 10 plus sales emails. And if you don't purchase, you might get a survey the following week asking why you were not interested because that feedback helps them better adjust their marketing message for the next launch, but it also can help them tweak the course itself if it is not as robust as their audience was hoping for. I remember one time, I sat through a launch week with an educator and um, actually attended the webinar and I was really interested in the product, but by the time they dropped the price, I was like, oh my gosh, like that price is way too high for um, this particular course that you're pitching. And so I didn't buy it. And when they sent out the feedback, I gave that feedback on the forum. Like I was very interested in this, but to be honest with you, this price was just completely out of out of my range of expectation. And then once I finally adjusted my expectations was still more than I was willing to pay for this product. So it's been cool because as the launch, they, they haven't lowered the price, <laughs> but as they've continued to launch the product, that it becomes more more and more robust, which further justifies that higher price tag. So it's not a good fit for me, but there are other students who moving forward, hopefully that will be a good fit for them. It's exactly what they're looking for. And because they continue to put more value into the product, further justifies that higher price tag. There are a lot of factors that go into whether or not a big dream is realized. You've got the economy, market conditions, pricing, your talent and skill, and so many other things. Timing, you want to talk about timing? Some of those things you can control and some of them you cannot control, like the economy. Gosh, it's been a roller coaster over the last couple of years. But one thing that you do 100% own is whether or not you even try. If you keep waiting for somebody else to see your potential and tell you that it is time to head to the start line, you will wait for a very long time, maybe years. What a bummer it would be, right, to wait for a permission that may or may never come when it turns out that it was you all along who had the power to say go. Equip yourself with what you need, test out the idea, then make the ask or the offer. 
Consider this your permission granted. Speaking of big goals, if you are a photographer dreaming of life after weddings, if you have not already signed up for the Beyond the Bridal Suite live five-day challenge, this is your reminder to head to abbygrace.co slash challenge. Classes start Monday, September 25th, and I sincerely hope that we will see you there. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash challenge. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear about it. Go ahead and drop me a DM on Instagram at Abby Grace Photo and tell me what crazy big dream have you been harboring but you've been holding back on because nobody else told you it was time. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about one of my favorite hacks, the email signature. It is 2023, the year of our Lord, and it still shocks me when I get an email from someone without a signature. We're going to be talking about what should go into yours, the service that I use and recommend, and the opportunity cost that you may not be aware of when you do not use an email signature. All of that coming up in season four, episode six. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?